So Michael Plant was one of the most experienced solo yachtsmen in the world. Uh, he held the record as an American for the fastest circumnavigation of the world. 152 days is all it took him in a yacht to go around. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, circumnavigated the world three times. But in 1992, uh, this yachtsman, this brilliant guy, was lost at sea. He was sailing between the United States and France. He had the best equipment that they had back in those days. Uh, he was one of the top with expertise and experience. Uh, but 11 days into his voyage, a radio contact was lost. And when uh, Michael's radio silence persisted for several days, a search and rescue effort was mounted, and they eventually found his boat uh, upside down, mid-Atlantic, about halfway between the United States and France. Uh, what had happened was that the four-ton weight bolted to the keel of the boat had fallen off. Uh, no one knows why. No one knows how this has happened. But when the weight beneath the waterline uh, had fallen off the boat, the boat became unstable and just flipped. Uh, the stability of the yacht, the height of the mast, the amount of sail that a yacht can carry to catch the wind is basically effective affected and determined by what's below the waterline. And so it is with our lives as well. What's below the waterline, what's unseen, what's on the inside is going to impact everything else. And so this morning, I want to get right back to basics, and I want to talk about one of the most basic truths in Christianity, and that's the gospel, and how our understanding of the gospel will totally impact and change our lives. So, What's the gospel? Uh, the word gospel comes from a Greek word, which means good news. And from it, we get the word evangelist, which is a carrier of the good news. So a simple, short version of the good news of the gospel might include the facts that, first of all, God's real. And he made you and I and wants to have a relationship with you. And the first thing you realize when you give your heart to Jesus, the first thing you realize is that God is real. I mean, how many had that experience? For, for me, it was just overwhelming. Um, it was a change between knowing in my head and knowing in my heart that God was real. And because I realized that God was real, I realized that He loved me, uh, that He had a plan for my life, and my whole world was turned upside down. So the first thing, God is real. He made you, wants to have a relationship with you. Secondly, everyone has sinned. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you have sinned. <laughs> Everybody has sinned. Everybody has sinned. And your sin separates you from God. Uh, Jesus Christ, the promised messianic king and son of God, came to earth and allowed himself to be crucified so that he could take the punishment your sins deserved. Jesus took that for himself. Jesus rose from the dead so that if you repent from your sins, ask him to forgive you, 
and you trust in him for your salvation, you will be forgiven, accepted freely into God's family, will be indwelt with his spirit, and so start a relationship with God. And lastly, the last part of the gospel, Jesus is coming again. And he will recreate all of creation for eternity. So the gospel is the declaration of the good news that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for our sins on the cross of Calvary so that we could know him. There is power speaking the gospel. Uh, Romans 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. How many people have had an experience where you've been reading the Bible and suddenly words jump out at it and uh, you just sense God underlining or highlighting passages in the Bible and you know that the Bible isn't just a book of words, it's a book of God's words and it's powerful, it's anointed, uh, it changes lives. You can read this thing and just in reading it, your life can be changed. Well, the same is true with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It carries a power and it carries an anointing with it that is supernatural. Just verbalizing the good news carries power to impact the, hero, uh, the, the hearers. On the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to preach the gospel to the crowds. Basically, they just began to speak about the story of Jesus. They just repeated the good news. And it says in Acts 2, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to people, and Peter and other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Time and time again, people would just tell people the history of Jesus, and people would be smitten. That is why we all need to be carriers of and deliverers of the gospel of the good news because it's the answer to our world's problems and it's the key to people getting to know God and receiving eternal life. The gospel is all about Jesus and what Jesus has done. The gospel, the good news, is about Jesus and it's based on the historical events surrounding what Jesus Christ has done. If you were to study all the places in the Greek New Testament where forms of the word gospel were used, you would be overwhelmed at how often it is used to denote not a way of life, not what we do, but a verbal proclamation of what Jesus has done and how an individual gets right with God. And the easiest way to remember this is it's good news, not good advice. All right? The dictionary says that advice is an opinion or recommendation offered as a guide to action or conduct. 
news is a report about something that has happened, which you can't change because it's already happened. And all you can do is respond to this happening. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, imagine there's a king and he goes into battle against an invading army to defend his land. If the king wins the battle, he sends back to his main city messengers, envoys, very happy envoys. He sends back good news messengers, and what they come back with is a report. They come back and they say, the enemy is defeated. The king has won. So you can joyfully live your lives in peace, which has been won for you. But if he doesn't win, if he doesn't defeat the invading army and the invading army breaks through, the king won't send back good news messengers. He'll send back military advisors. And the military advisors will go to the city and they'll say, hey, look, we're going to be under attack. Uh, We need marksmen over here. We need horsemen over here. We need soldiers in this place. And he organizes them so that they can protect the city. And he will say, we have to fight for our lives. Now, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, every other religion besides Christianity sends military advisors to people. Every other religion says, if you want to achieve salvation, you have to fight for your life. Every other religion is sending advice saying, here are the rites, here are the rituals, here's the transformation of the consciousness, and here are the laws and the regulation. Marksmen over here, horses over there, we're going to have to fight for our lives. But the good news that we send comes through good news messengers and not military advisors. And it's not like there's nothing for people to do about it. My goodness, both the messenger and the military advisor get an enormous response. Uh, One is a response of joy. The other one is a response of fear. All other religions give advice and they drive everything to you through fear. But as you know, when you hear the gospel, when you hear the message of what Jesus Christ has done for us, what do you want to do? You want to please God. You want to follow his instructions. You want to pray. You want to get to know God better. And you just want to please the one who did this all for you. If, on the other hand, military advisors say you have to live a really good life if you want to get into heaven, what do you do? You want to pray and you want to obey the Ten Commandments. It looks the same, doesn't it? But for two radically different reasons. One is joy and thankfulness. The other one is fear. In the short term, they look alike. But in the long term, If it's fear-based, it will result in burnout, it will result in self-righteousness, it will result in guilt and all sorts of problems because we can't live to the standards that are necessary to achieve our salvation.
Religion operates on the principle, I obey, therefore I am accepted. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that I'm accepted through Jesus Christ. Therefore, I want to please him and obey. Uh, The Galatian Christians started off with that mindset. They started off, as Paul says, in the spirit, trusting God. But they reverted to the flesh trying to earn their salvation through good works. Don't fall into that trap. It's by God's grace you have been saved, by faith. And our response should be like that of Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, where it says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. When I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at university, I couldn't stop talking about Jesus. When I came home from my first break, mum and dad, who were good Presbyterians, they got an earful. Uh, They got such an earful that they took me to the local Presbyterian minister. And I tried to get him saved. (laughs) Man, I was so brash. Um, When I look back, (laughs) I think, oh, dear me. But as a result of my enthusiasm, uh, mum and dad started to seek God afresh. And they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that was absolutely fantastic. You know, the gospel is personal and individual. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for you. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 2, you'll see a lot of references to the new birth. Okay? Uh, To become a Christian, you have to be confronted with your sin in front of a holy and jealous God. And you have to see that nothing can make you acceptable to God except for Jesus Christ. And by faith, we accept God's provision of Jesus. And as a response, God forgives us of our sin. And we are born again with his spirit, which comes to us and lives in us. And we start a new life getting to know Jesus. When we surrender to Jesus, it's like the scales came off our eyes. I remember very vividly in the first week or so after having an encounter with God, having surrendered my life to him, suddenly all those scriptures, all those songs that I had learnt uh, as a kid in that Presbyterian Sunday school in New Lynn in Auckland, suddenly they all came alive. Suddenly they all meant something. Suddenly those seeds that were already in my life began, be, began to bear fruit. 
2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him, talking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means Jesus didn't sin, but on the cross, God viewed him and treated him as if all of the sins of the world were on him. And you know, Jesus cries out and he says, my God, why has thou forsaken me? There was a separation between him and God. And in the same way, when we are forgiven, it means that in God's eyes, we are treated as if we had never sinned. How amazing is that? How absolutely incredible is that? It's not about what we have done, but about what Jesus has done for us. It's by his grace that we are saved. To understand the concept of grace, we first of all have to understand how lost we are, how bad we are, how dire our condition is, and how big the debt is that we have made up against God. Now, if someone says they're a Christian, but you don't see any change in the person's life, you don't see identity shifting, you don't see behavioral transformation, you don't see joy, what's the problem? It's clear that that person doesn't understand the size of the debt, therefore the size of the payment, and they probably don't really know Jesus, and they probably haven't received the Holy Spirit. Because to understand grace and for grace to be transforming, you have to understand the size of the debt, the magnitude of the provision. You know, we are more wicked and sinful than we care to admit. But we're also more loved than we dare to imagine. Many people who call themselves Christians continue to act on the basis, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Believing and receiving the good news gospel is not only the way to meet God, but it's also the way to grow into him because the gospel is the good news of changed lives through Jesus Christ. No matter how great our good works are, they won't save us. And that is why it was so hard for the Pharisees because the religious leaders thought that they were good And they were saved by their goodness. And you'll know that Jesus said of them that they they tithed even to the little herbs in their garden. They'd calculate how much their their, um, herbs had grown in the year and they would cut off a tenth of that and give that in at the temple. They were fastidious. They, they followed the law right down to the last little, little bit. But it couldn't save them. But they didn't know that. Whereas the prostitutes, the sinners, 
who knew that they were rotten to the core, who knew that they were bad in society's eyes, when they met Jesus, their lives were so turned upside down because he showed them the way that they could have a relationship with God despite their badness. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, it's not about what you do. It's about who you're trusting in. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Often I'm asked questions about various um, religions, religious groups, uh, cults and the like as to their legitimacy or how they figure in um, compared to Christianity. And there's always two questions that you can ask of any of these religious groups. First of all, who do they say Jesus is? Because invariably a cult will not have Jesus as the Son of God. And secondly, how are you saved? Most often, yeah, through Jesus. Good answer, Ben. How are you saved? Not by works. And most cults, you have to work your way into heaven. Whereas the good news is that Jesus Christ died for us so that our sins can be forgiven and we can have a relationship with the Father. When we understand how sinful we are, how much it costs God to pay the price for our sins, we realize how loved we are by God and we will just want to live a life of worship towards God. Receiving the gospel results in us worshiping God and putting him first. Paul put it this way. When he was praying for the church in Ephesus, when he realized that they needed an encounter with God, he said, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's have the musicians. We need an ongoing revelation of the depth of our sin and the love of God towards us. I think, how many people here have been Christians for more than uh, 30 years? A whole bunch of us. I think you'll probably know that it's very easy to be like the Galatians. You start off in the spirit and you drift into the flesh and sometimes you forget the reason that you're doing stuff. You forget the reason why you're serving in church. You forget the reason why you're giving. And time and time and time again, we need to come back to our first love and we need to fall in love afresh with Jesus and thank him for what he's done in our lives and thank him that it's not our goodness. It's not our good works. There is nothing that we can do of ourselves that is going to make us righteous before God. It's only what he has done. We need that ongoing revelation. And when we love God, we want to keep His commandments. We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want to please Him. We love Him. When we break God's commandments, then there are things in our lives that we love more than Him. Bible calls them idols. But you know, God's power can break chains of bondage. And a revelation of the love of God can dispose of the power of idols in our lives. But it all comes back to our relationship with Him. As we grow in intimacy with Jesus, our love for Him grows. And we realize just how loved we are and how blessed we are to be called His sons. As Jesus said, all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. How amazing is that? How absolute amazing is that? While we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Not because of any good works, but solely.
because Jesus loved us and wanted us to know that it loved and to walk in that. So how do we respond to that this morning? There might be people here this morning and you have never ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. The one who gave it all for you. And if you're here this morning, I wonder if we could just have every eye closed just for a moment. If you're here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, but you want to this morning. You want to say, God, I've really messed up. Whether it's because you've been trying to make yourself acceptable by doing good stuff, or whether it's because you just left God out of your life, whatever. If you want to give yourself to the Lord this morning and say, Jesus, I just want to know you. I want to experience your love. I want my sins to be forgiven. I need to have your peace in my life, which passes all understanding. If that's you this morning, I would love the opportunity of just being able to pray for you right where you are. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand? I'll see it. You can put it down, and I'll pray for everyone who raises their hand. Is there anyone here like that this morning? Just as I look around, I don't know everybody who's here. But if you need to get right with God, now's the time. Yep, I can see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah, I see those hands. Is there anybody else? You know, God sees our hearts. He, he knows what we're like. He knows those who have a up-to-date, burning passion for Him and those that have just become lukewarm, following the rules or trying to. Lord, I just pray for every person here this morning who wants to invite Jesus into their lives. Lord, you see their hearts. Lord, I pray for that revelation of just what sinners we really are and how we need your love and your acceptance and your forgiveness in our lives. And I pray that you would just do the impossible and come into their lives. Forgive them of their sins and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them to overflowing and give them peace. Help them to live a life in your strength that's pleasing to you. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. And for all of us as we just stand this morning, what's our response to the good news? We should just want to worship Him. We should just want to lift our hands and tell Him that we love Him.